0: Welcome to Is It Worth It? The Self-Worth Podcast. My name is Roshni. I am the founder of Self-Worth Coaching and the CEO of Betty Grew Up, a content creation and coaching platform. This podcast and my work are dedicated to helping you become your most empowered self and to remind you to detach your self-worth from your external life experience this is powerful work and i am so grateful that you are joining me for another episode to learn more make sure that you head to the show notes below and without further ado let's hop into this incredible episode Hello and welcome back to another episode of Is It Worth It? I'm so excited to be sitting down and recording another episode with you guys. It's been a while and I'm going to get into all of that in this episode There have been a lot of personal updates going on in my life and just a lot of changes and things that I want to talk to you about. So we'll get into that in a second, but before we do, I also wanted to let you know that from now until January 15th, I'm offering mini tarot readings. So because this is such a chaotic time of year, it gets very hectic, there's potentially a lot of family drama, especially for the black sheep in my audience, and it's also a really expensive time of year. So I came up with a low-cost offering that also is quick on time, but is extremely potent and powerful. And that is mini tarot reading. So from now until January 15th, you have two options for a mini tarot reading. One is a one card reading for $10 and the other is a three card reading for $25. And because these are really kind of short but impactful readings, they will serve you best if you're just asking about one specific question or one certain topic in your life. So whether that is finances or career or relationships, family, whatever you have going on, any topic is available and is, you know, on the table, it's going to be difficult to get your entire life story in, you know, one card or three cards. So asking about Something specific that you want clarity or guidance or encouragement around. You just want to know what's going on. That's the kind of question that I can answer with this reading. So... There is a link in the description notes to learn more and to sign up. It's a really quick process on my website. You can just submit a really short contact form with your question and pay for the reading right there, and I will email you back a voice note with your reading so that it still feels really personal and so that you can hang on to it and listen to it anytime that you need. So again, the link to sign up and to book your mini tarot reading is in the description below. I really hope that some of you take advantage of this offering because it's going to be a really fun one, and I just think, this is a time of year where we can use all the support we can get, but with all of that being said, my other links of how to work with me are also in the description, and Let's go ahead and just jump into the episode. Alright, so getting into all the personal updates that have been going on, there's something that I realized I haven't actually talked about much on this podcast, and I might actually do an entire episode on it as well, but I wanted to talk about being non-binary because I'm non-binary, and I've updated my pronouns on all of my bios a number of months ago, but I realized that I never made kind of a big public announcement about it, and part of that was because, you know, I was still... Making sure that that's what I identified as. I was still learning about it and listening to myself and what was coming up for me and kind of working through that. And I have been doing so since July of about twenty twenty, and it's been a really amazing experience. So I wanted to share kind of what I've learned from being non binary and what that's taught me. And one of the major things that it's taught me is just to honor my fluidity and. It's created this deep realization of who I am outside of societal conditioning. So the more that I've realized what non-binary actually is and listened to what's true for me, I've started realizing that it's not about just being half man or half woman, or it's not about, you know, chopping off all my hair and being androgynous. What it actually has been and what it means to me is releasing the gender binary. And it's releasing this idea that, Every part of this world and every part of society has to do with your gender. And that has opened up more doors for me internally than I ever really thought were possible. And the more that I've unsubscribed from the gender binary, the more that I've realized how much it dictates every part of our lives, you know? And so when I talk about unsubscribing from societal conditioning, I'm sure that a lot of listeners of this podcast are feminists. And and you obviously understand, you know, sexism and the things that are different for men versus women, but I didn't realize that even past those things, there was even more that I was holding myself to. It's hard for me to put this in perfect words, so I apologize if I'm kind of like fumbling around during this part of the podcast. I'm still finding words to kind of describe exactly how I feel because it's something that is not Talked about. So to me, all of these messages about what it means to be a good woman, how women are supposed to act in their 20s and then their 30s and then their 40s, or what the timeline of your life is supposed to look like, and how much of the characteristics that we see and value in ourselves have to do with being a good wife or a good mother or a girl boss or, you know, like a woman who hustles and has it all together those were so many pieces of my identity that I held on to so strongly. I strongly identified as a woman of color. I strongly identified as, I wouldn't say exactly, a girl boss. Like, I didn't really use that term for myself a lot, but I did identify with the identity of someone who was productive, who hustled, who had big goals, who was a woman who had big goals. And somehow that makes you so different from a man who has big goals, right? And all of these identities that I saw in myself, I've slowly started to let go of. And it's felt so good to be able to do that in a way that I can't quite describe. It's felt so freeing because I no longer have to continue trying to put myself in these boxes that I've never fit in. And that kind of goes with my earlier point about honoring my fluidity. It's not just in my gender. It's not that I need to feel like a man sometimes and I need to feel like a woman sometimes. Like, it's not about that at all. And I still feel very connected to my femininity. I also feel connected and I'm starting to connect more to pieces of my masculinity. But seeing the world in these ways that are so black and white has never worked for me. As an example, you know, I grew up in the US, but I also moved here when I was five. So I clearly remember a time in my life when I lived in another country, when I had friends and family in another country, when everyone around me was either black or brown because I grew up in a large extended Indian family in Kenya. So saying that I grew up in the US or that this feels like home to me isn't right, but at Same time saying that Kenya is home to me isn't true at all because I lived there for five years versus the 22 years I've lived in the US. Another aspect of my fluidity is that I'm South Asian but I've never been to India. I was raised Christian so I don't have a big connection with Hinduism or Jainism yet and I'm also very Americanized. I'm also bisexual but I'm in a straight passing relationship. I'm non binary but I'm very femme presenting and so There's so many parts of my life that have always been in this duality. There's not one thing about me that I can say is cut and dry or can easily fit into a box. And honestly, I feel like part of me is so long-winded and likes to talk a lot or likes to explain things or explain myself a lot because I've always had to. Like when someone asks me where I'm from, I don't know. Like I feel like such a third culture kid, but at the same time, I don't speak the languages that I used to anymore. I'm not like this perfect, you know, globalized citizen who has pieces of myself all around the world. Like, there's so much about me that I feel like just doesn't fit into a box. Realizing that gender had been holding me back in this other box was another further step of that, But at the same time, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, I just wanted to be different or I just wanted to be free of labels. Like it didn't start with any of that. It just kind of started by exploring what the gender binary meant to me and realizing that I want to exist outside of it. And those were kind of the beginning stages of realizing that I am non-binary and that I do want to feel comfortable enough to start talking about it and start sharing pieces of this journey with you. And that's also why in my content, I say that I make a lot of content for black sheep of the family. And I also make content for South Asian women, femmes, and LGBTQ plus people. And it is so hard to find a perfectly concise way to say that. But at the same time, all of these populations mean a lot to me. And it doesn't seem fair to only be there for South Asian women when I don't, identify as, you know, strictly a woman either. But at the same time, you know, with the way that South Asian children are raised, there is such a big discrepancy between the way that boys and girls are raised. And I was raised as a South Asian girl. Again, I strongly identified as a woman of color even far into my 20s. So I strongly identify with the experience of what it means to be a South Asian woman and how differently we are raised and how differently we are treated. But even with those very heteronormative roles and those experiences that boys and girls have, there isn't really room for the South Asian LGBT plus experience. And we have our own worthiness wounds to experience and to talk about. There's so many layers of this and people have such different and vastly different experiences. But speaking of not fitting into any boxes and this whole idea of, I don't know exactly where I came from. I don't know exactly where my home is. You know, all of those feelings bring me to my next point of grief and not having a home or not having a perfect place where I'm from that I can go back to and feel like is really my home. That has been something that I've had to grieve. That came from this idea of, you know, all of my parents and, you know, their cousins and their generation and my grandparents would talk about Kenya and their life there so highly. And that's where all of their experiences and their memories are. And that's where the early part of my life started as well. But I no longer really have a connection to those places. And when I think about my childhood memories, most of them aren't there anymore. And where I've really done the majority of my growing up has been the U.S. So when I think about home, I don't really feel like my home is in Texas, even though that's where I grew up. And I don't feel like my home is in Kenya. And all of those things really came compounding towards me when my grandfather passed away. In the middle of November, my grandfather passed away and he was my last living grandparent. So it was really difficult to deal with that news. And even though he was ill, it was an illness that hadn't lasted for more than a year. So it was still really difficult to kind of process first his diagnosis and then process him passing away. And to think about him, you know, being in any kind of pain or struggling at all is also something that I take really hard. So that in itself was difficult. And then for his funeral, I flew back home. And as you know, I had essentially cut off part of my family. And so going back home to see them after cutting them off and feeling like I wouldn't see them for a while was also really difficult. So All of those experiences at once were a lot to take in. It was a lot of grieving different things all at once. And one of the biggest things that I thought about when I was sitting at his funeral was this idea that a big piece of home was kind of going. And not only is that because he was my last living grandparent and I did find a lot of my home in him specifically, but it was also this idea that he was kind of one of the last pieces really carrying the majority of his life being in Kenya and really carrying those connections to people who lived there and people who lived in India. And he was such a well-connected person. He had so many friends and so many loved ones. And every week, he made calls to India, to Kenya, to different parts of the U.S., to London, to Europe, to Australia. He had friends literally all over the world. And so many of those connections, I feel like, are kind of fading away from contact into our family because they were his friends and they were the ones who kept up with him. And so thinking about how, you know, those pieces and that culture from our family is kind of slowly dissipating as well, it's been really difficult to kind of figure out who am I now. Anytime someone has passed, I always try to think about their life and what they valued and how those things can be lessons that I take into my own life. And one of the things that he valued, like I just mentioned, was his friendships and his connections with people. And he was just such a social person. He traveled the entire world, even late into his 60s and into his early 70s. Those are things that I wish to incorporate into my life even more. But something else that I learned about grief and about myself was that in learning these lessons and in integrating them into my life, I also was realizing that I was kind of losing myself. And some things that are really important to me is also being careful about the people that I'm around and protecting my energy. And while I find it extremely fulfilling to be around good people. I'm also an introvert. I also need a lot of time to myself to recharge and I went from this place of right after he passed feeling like I needed to change who I was. I needed to not just integrate these lessons into pieces of my life but actually become the space that he had left through his passing. Something that I learned in my psychoanalysis class in college was that when people pass, a lot of the time we try to replace the space that they left. So my professor spoke about when his wife's mom passed away, she started sleeping in her mom's bed and she started wearing a lot of the clothes that her mom left behind. She started using her mom's favorite mug to have her morning coffee. And what that teaches us about the Conscious is that you're saying that there is still a body using these things. There is still a presence using that favorite mug. There is still someone wearing their clothes and what your subconscious wants to feel is that they haven't left yet. It's this piece of grief that you don't want to let go of and that you want to hold on to to process because that feeling of loss is so sudden and so great and that's what I realized I was doing on kind of a non-material level. It's not like I was trying to wear his clothes, but I was trying to almost wear his ideals and wear how he saw the world. And that was my way of my subconscious filling this gap of him not being here. But what that taught me about myself is that one day I will pass and one day people will look at what lessons I taught them or what my legacy was that I left on earth. And I realized that I'm unique and I'm special and I have my own way of doing things and that is just as valuable and just as worthy of being lived out as his way of life was. So I literally have a trip, a road trip planned with my friends coming up next week and that's part of my way of integrating the lessons that he taught me in his life while also prioritizing myself and doing it in a way that I would do it and also finding value in myself even in the things that were different between me and him. Those realizations have really helped me honor who he was and reflect on his legacy and reflect on how he was his own amazing, incredible person while giving myself the space to process that I'm also a mortal human being. I am going to pass one day and I can recognize the good things in myself while I'm still here. And the last thing that I want to say On this topic of grief and loss, I feel like I'm learning more about grief. One tool that has always helped me through all of my grief is walking. And it's so strange to say that, but I think sometimes grief leaves me numb. Sometimes it leaves me speechless. Sometimes it makes me want to cry uncontrollably. But through all of those things... Walking has been a way that I've been able to process my feelings and whether I'm walking on a busier street or through a neighborhood or just in nature, being able to put one foot in front of the other literally has allowed me to move my body and thus move through the emotions that I'm feeling. I don't have to sit there and find the words for it to talk about or to journal about. I don't have to put all this pressure on myself to explain and validate myself. I just blindly or almost in kind of this numb way put one foot in front of the other. Being able to do that silently or even if I'm feeling tearful and I put on sunglasses and a mask, I feel like I can almost hide and be invisible but still be able to move. That's something that I realized in hindsight is what I did when my grandmother passed away. Specifically that year, I started walking home from school and actually enjoying it. And sometimes my eyes would kind of just glaze over. I walked the same route home every single day. And that in hindsight really helped me process the deep, deep depression I was feeling and the deep grief that I was feeling. When my uncle recently passed away earlier this year through a sudden heart attack, I found so many signs and like butterflies in and nature and, and birds and so many other signs of transition. I started finding feathers on my walks everywhere. It wasn't just one feather or three feathers. Everywhere I went, there were feathers literally all over the place. And all of those things kept me going outside and almost made me feel like there was a piece of communication that was happening between us. When my dog passed away as well, She passed away suddenly, only at the age of seven, and she didn't have an illness or anything, and the way that we bonded was going through walks. She didn't like to play that much. She wasn't really like a normal dog in a lot of those ways, but she loved long walks, and we would go on a long walk almost every single day, whether it was rain or shine. Being able to get myself to go on walks alone was the most heartbreaking and difficult thing I'd ever done because all it did was remind me of her absence. So I actually spent two to three months having coffee on my balcony or going outside and coloring on my balcony and finding ways to get myself outside and almost like slowly... Create positive associations so that I could take walks again. And then, when I was kind of at that halfway point of dealing with my grief, I was finally able to take those walks alone. And I cried on a lot of them, but then things got better, and I was able to reconnect with myself and with nature and with memories of her by taking these walks. And so, I just wanted to share that with you because it may not be the immediate. Thing that you think of when you're grieving, but I've found that that's something that has really worked for me. So I just again want to reiterate that there's no one process of grief for everyone. You're allowed to do whatever it is that helps you, even if it doesn't make sense and even if you don't understand why. Follow your gut, follow your intuition, follow your emotions in these moments. I almost feel like on these walks, I'm also walking alongside grief. The last personal update and thing that I want to talk to you about is actually my relationship to personal growth itself. This year, I haven't been finding myself journaling very much. I haven't been like meditating every single day or saying affirmations every single day. But at the same time, I still feel like I've grown more this year than I have almost any other year. So I just wanted to share with you that personal growth doesn't have to look like being that girl on TikTok or on Instagram. It doesn't have to look like pulling out your perfect moleskin notebook or your perfect you know journal and writing down every single thought that you have, personal growth can look so different in so many different ways. I've finally gotten to this place where I'm truly deeply integrating all of the lessons that I've been learning on a deep and cellular level. I'm not saying that journaling is wrong. Like if I need to journal, I will, but I used to do morning pages every single day. I used to journal and write down affirmations every single day. I used to sit with my one piece of rose quartz and meditate and say affirmations and then journal afterwards, I used to do tarot and meditate and journal about my card pull every day. Like these were massive parts of my life that I've slowly kind of pulled away from. And and I still do tarot often enough for myself, but I kind of let my intuition tell me when I need to do these things instead of forcing myself to do them every day. But it's been because I've also been learning and integrating lessons in new ways. And one of those ways, like I said, is walking and is moving my body and is reconnecting to my physical space and finding new ways to stay grounded. Another one of those ways that I've really been interacting with personal growth and healing is through my magical practice. Whether I'm working with candles or sigils or stirring things into my coffee, whether I'm working through intent or doing Reiki on myself, there's a lot of different ways that I've been able to use my body or use the resources that are around me to connect to the emotions that I want to connect or to conjure the emotions that I want to draw closer. But the biggest thing that has been fueling my personal growth journey this year is walking right into fear over and over again. And I feel like part of that journey with fear started for me during the pandemic, during 2020, in my business and in my personal life, I just kind of started running headfirst into fear over and over again. Throughout the year of 2021, I did it even more on an even more constant basis and I started challenging all the things that I thought were cringy or all the things that I thought people would reject me for, even things as simple and as basic as posting on TikTok, you know, all of 2020 I said, that's so cringy, I don't want to dare in front of a camera I still don't dance in front of a camera but I found ways to use it that speak to me and it is double the size of my Instagram account which I've had for years and that happened in just a few months and that happened because I trust myself and I stopped questioning things and I ran right into fear. In 2021, I also launched my first group course and led that, and it went so well, and I'm still close with the clients who did that today, and if you are listening, you know who you are, and you are so amazing. I'm so glad that we had that experience together. I've also dealt with rejection, you know, I had a failed launch this year, and I still got up and still kept going after that. I took time to rest, I took time to grieve, I took time to throw a fit and be upset, Or be angry that things weren't fair, but then I always pulled myself back up. Even if I did things imperfectly, I still did them. And battling that fear, battling that need to be perfect, battling all the shame that I used to feel, battling those moments of, I'm so cringy and I'm so weird and I shouldn't do it, battling that self doubt, all of those things are what have helped me get to the point of feeling like I can basically do anything because i've seen so much rejection i've seen so much fear i've seen so much struggle that at this point it's like what the hell do i have to lose and that's truly how i feel most of the time these days and it is so liberating liberating to get to this point where i feel like nothing can hold me back i almost realized that and again journaling is truly such a helpful tool but i realized that part of me was almost hiding behind like these quote unquote personal growth tools that i do and instead of really getting to this place where I integrated them. And again, I think that I needed to journal and express myself in different ways to get to this point. Like it all kind of happened in this way that makes a lot of sense in my timeline because what journaling did is it taught me about the patterns that I hold on to. It taught me about my thought processes. It taught me about the way that I internalize things and it let me in on what's going on in my subconscious. But since then, I've been able to bring those things through my conscience. I've been able to be more upfront about my patterns and my behaviors and my limitations. And so now I've gotten to the place where I understand a lot of what has been going on. And now all of those old lessons that I've been learning up learning for years have resurfaced and I've learned them in different ways. Those emotions and those patterns like wanting to give up immediately the second that something goes wrong, needing everything to be perfect and wanting to delete them immediately or wanting to give up on my journey because I made a mistake. A lot of those struggles have resurfaced over this year because of different triggers that have come up for me. And like I said, I've gotten rejected more in 2021 than any other year of my life. I've been rejected from part-time jobs from full-time jobs from that failed launch felt like a massive rejection because I put a lot of hope and faith that I could go full-time in my business and actually be able be able to pay all of my bills through my business through that launch and because it failed and didn't go the way that I planned I also felt like I was being rejected from my dream of being a full-time coach and not just rejection in this healing journey and in this personal growth journey but also through you know my family being raised as a christian but now finding my way into spirituality and tarot and being a witch and using those practices that has been a form of rejection in my life as well so many triggers have been brought up right wounds of feeling unworthy feeling unlovable feeling like i'm always shameful because i'm always doing something wrong being worried what people think because I'm always being talked down to by people or being rejected by someone out there. I mean, these were feelings that followed me around for my entire childhood and even into my adulthood. So to be able to move through those things has been life-changing and being able to do that comfortably and grow so strong in the face of all of that. Like, I can't explain to you how much growth really has... Happened for me, and all of those things, all of those forms of growing have taken self trust and self worth. I wouldn't have been able to set boundaries with my family if I didn't trust that what I thought and what I was doing was right, and if I didn't feel like I was worthy and deserving of those boundaries. I also wouldn't have picked myself up and continued chasing my dream of being a self-worth coach and working with the populations I want to work with if I didn't trust that this was the right thing for me and if I didn't feel like I was worthy of my biggest dreams. And along with that comes self-sabotage. Like, I used to be able to experience good things. It's not like my entire life sucked. I had experiences where I got lucky. I had experiences where I was very blessed. But... I sabotaged so many of those things because I felt like I wasn't worthy of them. And now I've come to this place where I can also receive things without sabotaging them. And even that took a lot of growth. Like I had such a block around earning money because I didn't didn't feel worthy of receiving money. I almost pushed that money away in so many different ways that came out subconsciously through my content. And so now that I've dealt with these core wounds of shame and rejection and unworthiness, I've also dealt with my wounds around receiving. Wounds around receiving can actually connect a lot to mother wounds. So think about that. That is a really important nugget that could help make a lot of connections for you. So being able to deal with my mother wounds my family wounds in general and heal this wound of receiving is also what's helped me earn money consistently through this year through my business and to find money and expect money coming in from different ways, which it has been. So I've gotten to this place where I'm so grateful for the things that I have and I can expand myself to receive more without subconsciously sabotaging one opportunity or another opportunity or making a fool of myself or getting too drunk. One of the ways that i also sabotaged myself before was looking for constant negativity even in a good situation so for example the first job that i got was a full-time office job and i actually got hired the week before i even graduated college so a lot of people especially millennials had to deal with graduating from college and not being able to find a job for three months six months a year and dealing with a lot of struggle that way. But I didn't deal with any of that struggle. I knew exactly what was coming for me. But even with all of those blessings coming my way, I constantly found ways to be negative at work or just negative in my own head. I would literally look for reasons to think that other people were judging me or were thinking that I wasn't doing a good job. I had no backbone in setting boundaries for myself, so I was answering emails at 9 p.m. And I wasn't on a salary, but I wasn't entering that time to get paid for, even though I was doing that on a daily basis. There were so many ways that I sabotaged myself and I got in my own way of just living a good life. Because I was nitpicking on these tiny little things. Or I was finding ways for things to just be more negative than they really were. So this whole year has taught me that I don't just need to do... I don't just need to sit behind a journal. That's not the only thing that is personal growth. And I actually just want to talk about this one last time before I wrap up this episode because I was working with a client um, a couple of months ago who was dealing with this same realization. They were like, you know, I, I don't journal every single day and it's really frustrating me because I feel like I'm not there for myself. And I had we had to kind of work on this idea of just because you're not journaling doesn't mean you're not there for yourself. You could be for, there for yourself in so many other ways than just journaling. And that's one of my problems with with that kind of content on TikTok and Instagram While I love watching those videos, a lot of them can be aesthetically pleasing and really nice, but pouring chlorophyll into your water and doing yoga with a white woman on YouTube and sitting down and journaling doesn't mean that you are doing every piece of personal growth. Personal growth is a journey and is essentially a lifestyle, and that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. That doesn't mean that you can't have fun or have a few drinks or do the things that you enjoy. You can drink and go to concerts or go to a nightclub and still be a good person who holds themselves accountable and who is on a healing journey. And that also really connects to that first point that I had about fluidity and honoring these different forms of who you are, honoring the different pieces of your identity. Something that actually came up in a tarot reading that I actually did on TikTok recently was that concept of allowing your identity to be fluid and not feeling like you have to give up your whole past self in order to heal and grow and embrace your new self. So something that I did in the past and a mistake that I kind of made at the start of my personal growth journey was I knew that I was drinking problematically, I knew that I was using substances problematically, my version of dealing with that was stopping cold turkey, which was fine. I still stand behind that decision. But then I also stopped listening to fun music. I stopped dancing. I stopped going out with my friends. And I have learned over the last, you know, year-ish, you know, since I've gotten the vaccine and been able to go out, is that I can go out and have one or two drinks. I haven't been getting drunk. I haven't been blacking out or getting sloppy, but I can go to concerts. I can go to shows. I can go out to bars with my friends and just have a good time and come home and be still coherent and be fine the next day and not dying in bed with a hangover, but still be able to be a functioning person. So I've been able to balance these things without feeling like I'm giving up parts of myself. So you don't have to fully sever off your entire identity. I mean, that might be something that helps you kind of get over those habits and those tendencies, but just know that like your past self, the parts of you that you want to reconnect with are never completely lost and you can always reach deep down and find your fun self again or find your outgoing self again. And it's okay to be those things. Another way that I used kind of like these labels or this idea of personal growth to kind of put me in a box was also this concept of my goals that I wanted to accomplish and who I wanted to be in business. I really identified with being a productive person, but I thought that that meant that I had to be productive all of the time. So, you know, working out and, you know, working my nine to five and coming home and working on my business and writing a blog post and working on my website, like the list never ended. And I was just always working at work, working at home, working out, <laughs> like finding some way to push myself constantly, 24 seven. And I found my identity in that, but I realized that I can be a productive person, but that doesn't mean I have to be productive all the time. I can have so many moments of rest, and that's actually made my life so much more enjoyable. And I don't just rest to be more productive later. I rest to enjoy my rest. And that doesn't mean that I'm not a productive person as a whole, right? So again, finding these fluidities in your identity, honoring the different versions of you, honoring the times that you can be different, that's all a part of who you are. And that's a lesson that I've learned that's also helped me honor my self-worth in so many ways because I've learned to value who I am at different times and value all of those parts of me equally. So that is where I'm going to wrap up today's episode. This was such a good one. I feel so good after having this more casual episode and just being able to sit down and chat with all of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to give me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps my podcast get found by so many other people and I really want to be able to grow this space. So thank you to all of you who have been sharing, who have been writing reviews or sharing my content on instagram and other social media sites i really really appreciate you so so much for being there for me and for supporting my business and my message and if you want to work with me i currently have self-worth coaching slots available for december and january i also have live virtual longer tarot readings available for the next few months and until january 15th don't forget I'm offering my mini tarot readings. You can actually buy more than one. So if you had two questions you want to ask and you want to buy two readings and submit one question for each reading, that is also possible, but it's only going to be available until January 15th. So make sure you don't miss your chance to get that extra bit of guidance. And thank you again, as always, for listening. I love you and happy healing. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me for another episode of Is It Worth It? If you've been enjoying this episode and think it would be helpful for others, please make sure that you write and review the podcast. It really helps me so, so much in supporting the podcast and helping it reach new audiences. And if you are able to write a review and email me a screenshot at hello at you'll be able to receive 10% off of any of my single session services. So that includes single session self-worth coaching and single session tarot readings. All links to my other content, my services are all going to be in the show notes below. Thank you again so, so much. I deeply appreciate your listenership and I hope you have a beautiful day ahead.